The Feed Bandit Podcast, Episode 11, Hunt Review, Venison Grinding and Cooking, and Animal Activity Around the Opening of Deer Season. Howdy and welcome to the Feed Bandit Podcast, where we have fun talking all things hunting and in the process, do our best to support small and family-owned businesses in the hunting space. Here are your hosts and resident bandits, Jimmy Byrne and Richard Kinchlow. Hey everybody, welcome back and thanks so much for joining us again on the Feed Bandit Podcast. Uh, Jimmy and Richard here, how you doing sir? I'm doing well sir, how are you? Uh, awesome, awesome. That's been some nice weather around here, so I've enjoyed that. Thanks, it has. <laughs> you know, seeing the sun, that's always good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think today uh, we just we kind of wanted to have a little uh, potpourri-ish type uh, episode where you talk about a couple different things, uh, you know, keep it, uh, keep it all on your toes. Uh, the first thing, um, we made it out to uh, Rancho Bandito a couple weekends ago. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't, we weren't able to go this last weekend. But uh, when we made it out there, uh, I think it was the tale of really two kind of weather patterns, uh, torrential downpour and then a super nice day of sun on Saturday, right? Yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy. Yeah, it was It was basically two, almost two solid weeks of just straight rain. And it, it you know, we, we, we talk about the, the different types of rain when, it, when, it, when we talk about range management and whatnot. And you, you really got two. You, you, you got a soaker. And then you got a tank filler, and of course, again, for for those of you who are new to the the podcast here, uh, and maybe to hunting in Texas, most Texans call a pond a tank or a stock tank. So when we talk about tanks, we're not talking about the Panzers; we're talking about the uh, uh, the actual uh, farm ponds. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it was amazing uh, how dry Rancho Bandito really was, and uh, actually just got a. Um, uh, got a got a picture today, believe it or not. I forgot to tell you this, Jimmy, from the landowner. A uh, picture of uh, him and his, his uh, ranch hands actually pulling out one of our duck blinds out of uh, the big tank there. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the rain had, had uh, I mean, gosh, the the tank had come up a good, uh, probably a good seven to eight feet. Um, then after we left, as you know, it stopped raining and it has not rained since. But the runoff um, has just been incredible and probably came up another five feet. So yeah. that is that is super exciting. Um, right now, as it stands, uh, obviously, we're, we're, we're getting close to the, the average rainfall. Actually, no, I think we're above the average rainfall for Rancho Bandito, uh, that area, which is awesome. Uh, and also for you uh, wildflowers uh, lovers out there, and a Texas plant guy who we interviewed, uh, not long ago, um, this rainfall that we're having with a combination of a cold winter will equal a wonderful Texas wildflower season. So, um, as usual, I'm digressing, but uh, anyways, the rain is it's just awesome for everything. Well, what does the uh, Farmer's Almanac say about the weather this winter this year? So, you, you know, you the know? Farmer's Almanac, yeah, I, I, I do, absolutely, because I was, I was super excited. You know, so for me, as you'll come to find out, I, I love it when it rains. When the sun comes out, I, I, I'm kind of like a vampire. <laughs> and I'm the I can't opposite. stand it. Yeah, he's the exact <laughs> opposite. So, yeah, 
Uh, but no, the Farmer's Almanac was actually you know predicting a cooler and wetter than average winter for Texas. Um, now I have heard from uh, one of those other weather experts that that may not necessarily be the case, and that there's actually an El Nino that's forming, and that's going to keep it a little bit warmer, something of that nature. And I've not informed my daughters of that because they are, <laughs> uh, especially the seven-year-old, she is a, a lover of the snow. And on her fourth on her fourth Christmas, she actually complained, you know, why is it we don't have a white Christmas this year? Whereas on her third birthday, or, uh, excuse me, Christmas, she had a white Christmas. And I informed her that on her third uh, year of life, third Christmas, she had her first white Christmas, whereas my 33rd <laughs> Christmas was my first white Christmas. So, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, hoping for a nice cold winter um, helps the wildflowers. Obviously, a little tougher on the animals, as we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, they're 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 tough. They can handle it. But you know, it, as long as it's not like too cold, it still makes sitting in a blind a lot better than. Oh uh, man! <laughs> but it's uh, you know ninety degrees, eighty degrees outside. So. Absolutely, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see that uh, that last weekend we were out there it was. Quite the the different success story for me uh, compared to the one before. Right. Uh, So the weekend before the last one we were out there, you know, I got that spike in a black buck antelope doe. And uh, this last one was much more humbling for me. Um, So Friday night, you know, we got out there in time to uh, sit in the blinds and it was just a torrential downpour, you know, until really about 6 p.m., I guess, when it finally started letting up. And, man, I'm just sitting there... Really, the whole time, the whole time, there's nothing to do but uh, really watch YouTube videos, watching a lot of these guys how they cook in their backstrap and right, right. <laughs> getting uh, getting really hungry. You know? yeah. <laughs> now, I, I was in the same boat, uh, quite literally. Um, you know, t- typically, you know, typically the critters will move in, in, in a light rain. Of course, as as Jimmy said, torrential rain. You know, they they typically will will head for cover, and I've, I've actually seen them do it. Um, now, you know, after a rain, you post rain, uh, you know, typically they, they kind of start to come back out. And, you know, we still had probably an hour's worth of daylight left. And, uh, boy, they, they did not come out. Now, I, I'm, I was in the same boat. I was about a mile or two away from him, and I was, I was skunked. I didn't see a thing. So, yep. um, totally skunked. Well, not totally skunked, skunked here. I, had, uh, I was contending with about 30 turkeys. That kept coming in. Uh, there were those videos. Right. <laughs> so right. I, I'd get out of the blind, you know, as it's raining to kind of ward them off or scare them off so that I was hoping mm-hmm. when the rain stopped that there'd still be something on the ground to, to you know, to, to stop some of the deer that I was expecting yeah. to come out, but uh, never did. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, the, the uh, boy, let me tell you, the, the, the wild turkeys, blessed to have them. There's no doubt about it. I mean, when I hunted in... In Throckmorton, Texas, seeing a turkey was a real privilege. And, of course, now the area, the place that we hunt, I mean, if, if you see under 20, something's wrong. Um, and, man, they, and they, and of course, you know, during the spring when we're really hunting them, they're impossible. To, you know, they, they're really tough to see, you know, tough to hunt. But, but man, during the fall, they just, they just flock together. And, I mean, there are some times where you'll have turkeys come in and they'll, They'll clean up three seconds spin worth of corn on the feeder and gosh, I mean, you know, five minutes. Oh yeah. Easy. Easy. Yeah. That's why I was yeah. like, no, get these guys out of here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We've actually 
uh, we've actually equipped some of our feeders with uh, a remote control to where we can put another spin in there. Um, I'd not be honest. I don't know how really effective that is because you know the deer and the other animals typically aren't used to the you know the second spin. You know, so um, but uh, you know it, it makes us feel good. Yeah, you know, and I love those turkeys. So if it had been uh, November. I might have taken one for myself, but uh. absolutely. Well, if, if you were a Texas youth, you could have. Uh, I think you could have blasted one this past weekend. Uh, this past oh, really? weekend, yep, was uh, the opening season, huh? of youth season. Yeah, which of course is just a, a phenomenal uh, opportunity, and um, I think it should be opened a lot earlier. Let the kiddos get out there and do it. I think it should be in every single state. Now, it, it, it may be. Um, but it's boy, you know, as we we've always talked about, we'll continue talking about. Children are the um, you know, the the future security for the passion and for the love that we have of this you know, of hunting. So we got to get them involved. Yeah, absolutely for sure. And uh, I, you know, I think I told, mentioned this to you, but I am going to p- plan on uh, walking a day uh, between uh, you know sitting in the deer stand in the morning and the evening mm-hmm. to try to get me a turkey the old fashioned way this fall. Yeah. Haven't done that yet. Uh, only yeah. done it, you know, during the spring, of course. Sure. Right. But, uh, yeah. I mean, why not? You know, it'd be Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. So, uh, I'll just, when I do that, you know, obviously recap my experience here. So we'll For see. Sure. <laughs> well, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll strap the GoPro to you. Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, totally. And let you, let you try to do it there. You know, you'll you're for for those of us who've been on our YouTube page, we're. And uh, that's that's my fault. We're still uploading some more, uh, but I'm getting a little bit better about the the GoPro uh, and and filming kind of our hunts. And I've actually got Jimmy's antelope um, hunt that I need to put on there. Probably gonna be next week before I get to it. But uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun for sure. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you know that Friday evening, no deer came out as we saw as we said, and I got got to watching a lot of uh, videos on YouTube about how to cook venison and this, that, and the other. So, uh, this last week I, uh, decided, decided to, uh, make some of the antelope, black book antelope ribs that I took from the, uh, the dough that I took. I hadn't eaten those before yet. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to try them out and let me just say they're very good. <laughs> uh, I just put them on a, on a pan with uh, olive oil and some garlic salt right? and threw them in the oven for at, at 400 degrees for about 20 minutes. And I mean, that was the perfect timing, perfect temperature, perfect timing on how to cook those things. Right. And, you know, if I was going to put, put it on a, on a spectrum and on one end you have, say, whitetail venison ribs, mm-hmm. on the other you have pork ribs. Right. I really consider those to be kind of in the middle you know they right. had some pork aspects with the fat and everything I've also had a little venison kind of aspect with the sure. you know just the way venison at least venison ribs are right uh but man they're grit they were they were awesome and i ate just you know the dough black book antelope dough mature what was it about 60 pounds probably or so how big they get so right. the ribs ribs aren't that that huge right so really i just ate the entire the entire one for one meal that right. was my dinner, wow, and man, awesome. it was uh, it was perfect. Yeah, it was really, that, really good. That is that is awesome. Yeah, last time I had uh, uh, um, yeah, white well, I had mule deer ribs was 2004, and we were on a mule deer hunt near Big Bend, and uh, we had the, our guide. 
you know, passed along, he called them chewing sticks. And boy, I, I, uh, we were having those around the fire with our drinks and, you know, I started gnawing on there and just kind of looking at the, the curvature. I go, golly, this is a deer rib. And he said, absolutely. You know, and they were, they were, they, they, they were really good, uh, but I've not done it since. And, you know, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I, I think it's, 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 it's a lot of fun to do and, and a lot of fun to try. And like you said, you know, 20 minutes or so, um, is more than enough to, you know, to make it to where they're, you know, they're cooked, but not, uh, rock hard. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I think you and I talked about was actually, um, you know, making them go a little bit further, maybe getting a bone saw. If you've got one whose blade doesn't go crazy on you, like ours does <laughs> and uh, maybe cutting them in half, you know? And, and so they're, they're a little, they look a little bit more appetizing and, uh, you know, you get, you get two for one for one rack per se. Right. Right. Yeah, do you remember if uh, those chewing sticks? Did they cook them like over a fire or in the oven, or I where, don't, or, where, or did they dehydrate them like uh, like uh, jerky or something? Or you know, I I, I don't know. I, I know that they were uh, they were pretty tough. I mean, yeah. you, if 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 she, if you know if a boot had ribs, I, I kind of <laughs> thought that's what we were eating. It was. I mean, they, the flavor was great, but boy, oh boy, give your teeth a workout. Well, it's like jerky. Like every time I've yeah. made whitetail ribs, yeah, it, it's like I'm chewing, uh, you know, the jerky off the bone. Oh, I, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe okay. I got. I need to find a good recipe uh, online on and try that again. Uh, you know. Oh no doubt. But, but even so, you know, I like I like making jerky too. You know, out of, out of whitetail, so. Uh, <laughs> Yep. It didn't go to waste. It's just not like a pork rib, of course. Yep, <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, yeah, and I guess the the other thing I did uh, to kind of make up for my being getting skunked is we, uh, my wife and I ended up gr- grinding some of the whitetail that uh, I got the weekend before that. Um, so part of what you and I like to do, of course, is to grind our own meat and sometimes experiment with different recipes when doing so or really rather than taking our meat to the processor for their grind. Right. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, processor finish and grind is usually very good. Uh, it's just really fun to do it yourself, you know, if you have the means and the capacity to kind of store all that meat for right. the grinder, you know, prior to getting to it. Uh, but, yeah, we like to for – you, for you guys out there, we like to typically like to designate a, a night or a weekend where we all go down to the ranch and grind and have a really grand old time. You know, while we're while we're doing it, you know, it takes us well into the morning, of course, and oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, listen to good music. You know, having a couple drinks, just a few. You know, and <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but you know, next time we do that, though, we'll definitely document it for all you guys listening, so you can kind of see how you know what we do. But uh, anyway, it might, I, might require some severe <laughs> video editing because uh, <laughs> if you were to chart our our uh, our usefulness and our our actual. Uh, productivity that's where i'm looking for yes it, uh, it it definitely slants down as the night goes on yes it's like an exponential downward curve basically. oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah well, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know i decided to uh, go ahead and grind up my first deer this year at home because basically you know my family we've been out of grind for uh, quite a few months now and we wanted to get kind of a jump start on eating our venison and my family uh, likes that a lot because we use it in a lot of different things. Uh, so this time, what I did is I bought a large tube of uh, seventy-three twenty-seven hamburger meat and a pork loin uh, to mix into the venison, the venison grind. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really spice it with with anything. 
you know, we like to have a good neutral kind of meat base so that you can use it really in any kind of in any kind of dish that requires kind of ground meat, you know, spaghetti, chili, hamburgers or whatever. But that allows you to kind of spice it at the time of your cooking. Uh, it's, it ends up being, you know, good that way. Uh, but we also ended up doing, and I did about three-fourths of it uh, that way, but I decided this time to try and find a good Italian sausage recipe online. And I ended up doing the remaining about fourth of it spiced as Italian sausage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we cooked some the other day as meatballs, and yeah. man, oh, man, it was really good. Let me just, well, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. serious. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I learned about spicing over my years of grinding is that I will darn near double the recommended spices from a recipe, yeah. especially if you're using whitetail venison. For whatever reason, I think for me, for me to really get the taste that I need to do that to double that 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 recipe, right. and it's always come out perfectly. Now, you know as well as I that I everyone thinks I don't have taste buds because I. <laughs> Put a lot of salt on everything, you know. This, that, and oh the other. yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he, he, yeah. Jimmy is is Morton's best friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Golly, or garlic salt really is your thing. Oh yeah, cool. Oh, geez, you put on anything and it tastes mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, it ended up uh, coming out awesome. I mean, and it, it smelled really good, and it and it worked great as the meatballs. So uh, I, uh-huh. I I remember what it is. So we'll have to make that again whenever we do our master grind a little yeah, le- a little later on. Absolutely, love to. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that was kind of I guess a wrap up. Uh, you cooked uh, something last, a pork last night, but that was just probably from the store, right? Yeah, yeah. We um, you know, I've got a uh, boy. And I, this is kind of a shame to admit this. So again, for, for for those of you who are not from Texas, uh, you know, we traditionally, and most people do, I, I should say, you know, typically when when you smoke food, you always use the wood fire, you know, off center in the firebox, and and cook the you know cook the meat that way. Um, well, you know, for those of us who live in Dallas and can't can't park a gigantic smoker in the alley or, you know, in the, or the backyard or something, sometimes we go with the the electric ones. So I've got uh, my uh, my father bought me an electric one a couple of years ago, and I scoffed at it and kind of made fun of it and talked smack to it in the corner, and then I fired it up <laughs> and was like, you know, this, this really isn't that terrible. Um, it is definitely more like an oven than it is a smoker, but you you still definitely get that 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 flavor, but it's not overpowering. So um, I went to the store and bought a eleven dollar, um, actually it's eleven dollars and eighty seven cents um, pork shoulder, about seven pounds, and uh, let it come up to room temperature. Then I I stuffed it with um, a regular garlic, not all not elephant ears, with a regular garlic. And then I um, I actually scored, which scoring, if, for those of you who don't know, is you, you take a knife or, or a box cutter, believe it or not, and just um, you uh, you slice, or at least you attempt to slice the skin on, on top of the pork shoulder. Um, and then what you do is you get a good salt. I prefer sea salt, and you, you really lay it on there and rub it in real good. And then I put it on the smoker for about nine hours. Um but but the reason why I was I was doing that prep on the skin is I was trying to make uh, pork crackling, so basically fried skin, which you just can't get any worse than that. I guess you could do if you could fry butter, it would probably be up there. But still very um, good for you. 
Absolutely, our animal fat. Yes, yes, yes. We can we can do a whole show on that. Yeah. Um, you know the best we, we, pork skin ever I had was it was in Puerto Rico. They have a what's called a pork highway, and you go mm-hmm. off it's as we're driving around the island, and mm-hmm. it's just uh, there's like a main highway that goes around the island, and then you go off this one exit, and there's a lineup right. of about I don't know ten. I don't, but probably ten restaurants there that all there are, you know, have uh, whole porks on spits, and you oh. go up there and they cut. They'll just go and they'll cut the skin off for you. And oh, my man. God, it was the most, the richest, probably really? thing I've ever eaten in my life. Well, I, I need, I need you to try some. See what you think about it. I'll hide the yeah, that, That's awesome. That's awesome. So I had the, I had my uh, my shoulder on for about seven hours. Uh, and then I actually went and I wrapped it. You know, when, when you're smoking meat, uh, you know, it happens a lot with brisket. You, you reach a point where you plateau, and you can keep it on there for X amount of times, but the internal temperatures will not go up. And so that's typically when you when you go and you wrap it. So I went and wrapped it in foil and, and put it back on for about another hour or so. Um, then I brought it into the house, and I, I fired up my oven to about 450, um, and then and unread it and then put uh, with the with the the skin facing the the top basically broiler, and uh, within thirty minutes that that heat on that skin had it puffed up and it was really good and crispy and of course I didn't eat it all but uh, it was something fun to do and uh, the uh, the skin kind of kind of peels off. Uh, God, it, it was great. You know, I have a family of uh, four and a and a Labrador. Uh, so that fed us and we have leftovers. So I'm kind of eating it all week. It was a lot of fun. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Hopefully well, I get a, hopefully I get a pig next time we're down at the ranch, rancho. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got plenty of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll just a little segue there just to finish off our last weekend hunting on Saturday. The sun came out as a beautiful day. Uh, I was skunked again that night. <laughs> Didn't see one thing, just a couple birds, which is yeah. just amazing for me. Like that, that's never happened to me before in one weekend. Well, uh, and especially on a night like that, I mean, there's just no rhyme or reason. Oh, uh, high hopes, it, but yeah. <laughs> come crashing down. No, of course, <laughs> as yeah. the sun sets, you know. Yeah, and I, of course, uh, as if you've y'all listened to us, you'll know that I am just a, a dove hunting fanatic, and I, I can't even talk about the season because it's just been the been the worst one on record for me uh but I, I i did go dove hunting me and my dog and it was it was wet i listened to the texas tech and I did end up shooting one dove and so funny as i killed literally thousands of dove over the years um but i have never done what i did on this one lone bird uh that flew by me i actually blew its head off <laughs> And, and it was the, the, the damnedest thing. My my dog brought me back the bird, and she was a little mouthy with it because, you know, she's she's a little green because we had not had a lot of action this year. And, you know, I, she dropped it and then whatever, and I, I grabbed the bird. I'm like, man, what is going on? And so, I you know, she didn't have it in her mouth because she, she did. She'd eat it. Uh, but I kind of redid my steps, and I, I, I it's unbelievable. It's a great shot. So, uh, yeah, I clean, I, I, clean sever yeah. of the head there. Yeah. It was like a 20 gauge guillotine in midair. <laughs> um, and of course, like a dunderhead, I have my GoPro on my head, but, uh, you know, I, I'm still not, I'm still getting used to the turn GoPro on and then shoot type thing. So, 
Uh, I I missed the action, but yeah. So we'll just have to believe you. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I I killed one dove uh, all last weekend. So yeah, dove season is is coming to an end here shortly, and uh, I could I could literally just cry. So, <laughs> but yeah. the as I always say, the anticipation of hunting for me sometimes is actually more fun than than hunting. Uh, you know, the planning, the prep work, uh, you know, watching the seasons turn. Of course, by the time we get to the summer, I'm I'm fit to be tied, uh, ready for it to happen. So, right. Well, they say, what do they say? Some, it's not so much the destination was the journey sometimes. Right, right, right. <laughs> you got to look at the positive and everything. Oh, for, nah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, so both of us, we were kind of unsuccessful, amazingly enough. And uh, But, yep. you know, some of the other guys took some dough, right? And, uh, yeah, they couple- did pig or two i think if i remember yep. correctly yeah so it wasn't a complete washout if you will to you yeah. yeah no but, absolutely uh, not yeah so it was still fun but uh Agreed. we'll get them next time yeah <laughs> yeah well they were i it kind of segues into what we're what we were kind of talking about you know what what are the what are the critters doing you yep. know yep. uh and you know we 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 did a pretty good show on on uh, september but you know october going into uh, November, obviously, at least the area that we hunt, you know, kind of central Texas area, top of the hill country, things, um, it really start changing. You know, the, uh, the, obviously the trees are turning color, starting to lose leaves. We're, we're getting some, definitely some cool spells now, which is, which is really nice. Um, and, uh, you know, the acorns are really going solid now, you know, the live oaks typically go first and the red oaks and the, the white oaks will go after that. And, uh, you know, they, and the pecans too. So the the acorn crop um, for all species of trees are is, is is pretty darn good this year. So I I contribute a lot of our lack of you know action at the feeders to um, to that to that acorn uh, drop. I also contribute a lot of it to the forb growth. I mean, we have just had an exponential amount of rain. And so those those fall forbs for the whitetail, you know, and, and grass for the axis and the uh, uh, the black buck is just, I mean, it's literally a, a second green up. And it's, it's actually never happened before. In fact, I was talking to the owner, and we actually lost a cow um, who, who got some sort of bloat from eating too much greenery and not having enough salt. Wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we talked about how important it is to have salt available for your hooved animals when when you've got these green periods because they they something to the effect of they can't digest everything i'm not a not a a biologist but so it's really important to have the salt well you know here it is you know middle october we don't have any salt out there so this cow just uh, pretty much ate herself to death on the greenery so it just proves that you know salad can definitely kill you that's right um (laughs) <laughs> so you know what? What I would have really encouraged all our fellow hunters to do is, uh, again, going back to the issue with the acorns and and the and the the fall growth is, you know, get out of the, get out of those blinds, you know, or or hunting blinds to where <clears throat> you've got more you've got more area to look at than just just at at a deer feeder, you know, uh, you know, hunt these uh, the, as we call them senderos, you know, these these open areas that stretch for a while, hunt along telephone. Uh, telephone right away you know where you can um where you can see you know you can see for quite a bit and you know hopefully you'll see those deer moving from the cover uh maybe out to, to grab a, a bite on some forbs that are catching some sunlight you know um yep. so we we should be having a first freeze here probably in the next couple of weeks and 
obviously that'll knock some of that back. You know, they've been pounding the acorns, turkeys too, you know, and the hogs and whatnot. So uh, I, I expect feeder activity to probably go up, you know, pr- pretty decently here in the middle of November. And then, of course, as uh, food stores really start to, to kind of dry up December and January, it normally gets pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, we move on to another cycle. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the, the weather, you know, if it actually ends up being cold or yeah, if it just, if it just stays warm and, yeah. and, if, and if we continue to have rain. I mean, who, you know, who knows? That's true. That's 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 very true. Um, you know, I know that uh, in mid-September we were sitting at 24 inches for Rancho Bandito. And uh, gosh, well, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Uh, right now... I will check, and we are up there with me, loading. <laughs> Still loading. Yeah, oh, this was a bad idea. I should have done this earlier. Oh, I got to hit the button for fields. That's okay. Yeah, this is actually something we'll we'll talk about. We are up to thirty nine. Yeah, thirty nine inches. That's that's incredible. We averaged thirty five. Uh, so we went from twenty four in, in early September. Now we're at thirty nine. So, uh, you know, an extra 72 inches of rain, if I'm doing my math there right. So that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really, really, really impressive. Of course, again, it absolutely walloped our dove hunting, but uh, yeah. I can't complain. Always need the rain. Always need the rain. Well, uh, what do you think this will do to duck hunting? Yeah, it, it, I tell you, it, it's going to be a sight for sore eyes. Um, you know, last year, as I recall, was, was not, you know, incredibly wet, certainly not like the, uh, the winter we had a couple years ago, but uh, this year, God, I was expecting it just to be, uh, you know, pretty bad with, with, with just not having enough areas for us to hunt. Now, we, we do have some tanks that will hold some water, so if there are birds, you know, we should be in pretty good shape, but our, you know, where we could hunt was a real problem. Uh, but but now that, that we've got all this water, uh, definitely going to increase the areas that we can hunt. But it, it's going to spread out, you know, spread out those birds. Right. Um, so we we should start seeing them, uh, you know, probably now. To be honest with you, there's there's probably a bunch of uh, typically the the puddle ducks come down first, or the gadwalls, mallards. Uh, you know, widgeons, um, teal, you know, uh, reluctantly make their way down here. So uh, we'll, we'll see a lot of scalp and um, maybe some redheads and canvasbacks come in. Uh, but, yeah, opening day of uh, duff, duck season for the north zone, I believe, is the first weekend of November. So that's looking for Big day. Yep. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting. Indeed. Indeed. What else? What else do you want to talk about? Do, 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 do. Gosh, uh, well, it's opening week of Texas rifle season this that's, weekend. Yeah, that's right. We can just uh, glaze over that as if it's not important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say so, yeah, for, for the Texas, uh, uh, this is a an absolutely huge weekend coming up. It's Exodus, if you will, from all the uh, you know from Dallas and, and Houston and Austin. And all the major cities to the country, and uh, it, it's kind of funny because this is, this, you know, and that really pumps a lot of fuel, a lot of money into those local economies there. So, 
Um, yeah, this is just a huge, huge a lot of a lot of this and hit the ground. I, I recall talking to a, a meat processor down in um, down Bernie, and uh, I had asked a couple of years ago. I actually asked him how many deer he typically receives opening weekend. <laughs> he t- he told me he typically averages between three and thirty five. Excuse me, three thousand to thirty five hundred deer, something of that nature. Oh wow, wow! That that is just an astronomical amount of of animals. Uh, yeah. But I, I, that's it's Klein Smokehouse, which of course, as we uh, all know, they are they're just phenomenal. That's uh, we should talk about you know what we get from processors and. Various ones. Maybe we'll interview, try to interview a couple of them on the show. Oh, and great idea. I'd love to learn about kind of the business and what they, uh, how they do it. You know, how, sure. how it just kind of how it runs and get some uh, pointers here and there. I mean, that's we'll have to make note of that. Get some of these people on. <laughs> I agree. All right. You got anything else? You know, that's about it. Uh, you know, good luck to everybody, uh, especially you know those who are. Um, you know, the, our, our fellow Texans who are heading out to the field, be safe, be smart. Good luck. Uh, you know, obviously we'd like to continue to hear from everybody. Our, our, our inbox has been blowing up from folks emailing us with, you know, where they hunt. Uh, we want to hear your stories. We want to see your pictures. So we're, we're very thankful for that and then keep it coming. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening as always. And, uh, just stay in touch with us and, uh, just uh, wanted to say, you know, if there's some uh, some uh, bad connection on this call, I apologize for it. Uh, try to it, try to edit that as much as possible, but uh, I think y'all still got the gist of what we're wanting to talk about. So, <laughs> thanks for hanging in there. You know, the technology sometimes doesn't cooperate 100. Well, percent there uh, there is no thunderstorm tonight. That that's what's crazy. I don't know. Right, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Feed Bandit Podcast. If you want to find new and innovative hunting gear and service providers not typically offered through the traditional big box hunting stores, come on over and join the hunt at feedbandit.com slash join. When you join, as a bonus, you'll get our entertaining free e-guide of unique hunting tips and tricks. And a reminder to all you small businesses, feed stores, gear inventors, or entrepreneurs in the hunting space, if you'd like to get more exposure to potential customers by being featured on the Feedbanded podcast, please let us know. We'd love to discuss what we can do for you and your business. Go to feedbanded.com promote. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please give us a rating and review on iTunes as it would really help us out. Go to feedbandit.com slash iTunes. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next time, please remember to support your local feed store.